Now I see there's things in my way. Push it to the climax or until my soul decays. Isn't roadway safe? God sees it in his veins. Catch a simple prayer just to see another day. Welcome to God's Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher. On today's episode, we are going to be going over the conversion of Saul and how Calvinists use this conversion, their mentality. I'm very much interested in what's known as human action, how humans think, behave, their rationale, uh, how they mentally operate. And in regards to this conversion experience in Acts 9, Calvinists show their cultism when they start talking about this instance. They start uh, talking in very idiosyncratic ways, very militantly uh, asserting their, militant, their, their idiosyncratic reading of this passage. And so it's, it's interesting to watch. Uh, these, these people are absolute lunatics. They're cultists, and there's a reason they're cultists. It, it gives them something. It makes them feel better. It makes them feel superior. It gives them belonging to a group, uh, a, a status symbol, and they're able to shout that to, uh, to the roof. There, there was an episode that Layden Flowers just recorded with a former Calvinist, and that's actually what he says attracted him to Calvinism was the abrasiveness of it all. And so uh, it's an interesting, interesting admission from a former Calvinist. So it's not, it's, it's not like, uh, well, we, we see it all the time when we're dealing with these Calvinists uh, in the real world, in, in these groups. These people are militantly ignorant, militantly idiosyncratic in their views. And uh, the funny thing is that you know, they, they post their memes and a normal, rational thinking person will look at their meme and they're like, "That what are you trying to prove with this? It do doesn't make sense. And this Acts 9 will be the perfect example. And we got our Calvinist du jour and we'll call him uh, John 3 Percenter because uh, he, he's here on this Calvinist army. He's, he's not, not a good, good fella. And so uh, we'll call him John. So here we are in Acts 9. This is a conversion experience. Saul, and then Saul is the Hebrew version of Paul. Paul is the Greek term for the same individual. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of uh, Damascus. And if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So Saul Paul, he's going out of his way to persecute Christians. But something happens. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone from heaven. And so he's, he's walking around, and all of a sudden he's blinded. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So this is amazing. He's, he's conversing with Jesus, as, as we find out. And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And so here's his conversion. He's knocked off his uh, horse, uh, blinded, and uh, he says, Hey, what do you want me to do, God? I'll do it. And Calvinists, as we see here, they'll take this story and they'll say, Paul doesn't have free will. Now, me, uh, being, being uh, probably a pretty competent reader, reading this story, it seems like he's got a lot of free will. He's free to reject God. It's probably not in his best interest to do so in light of such overwhelming force. But he asks, hey, what do you want me to do? I'm going to do it. And Paul actually gives a summary of this event. And Paul's summary 
uh, he indicates uh, it's it's fairly explicit that this is a free will action in not being disobedient to the voice. But but the Calvinist sees this and sees God doing something to convince someone of something, and in their mind, uh, a little switch ticks up. It turns on a little light bulb, and they say, this means no free will exists. God did something to convince someone of something, therefore no one has free will. Uh, it's, it's idiotic, it's insane, and we see this in their memes. Now this is the Reformed Sage meme that we're looking at here by 3%er John, and it says, when you are on your way to murder Christians, and you use your free will to become one. Now a normal rational person will say, yeah, that's exactly what happened. We have it in the story explicitly. Uh, he's, he's intercepted. And then he asks what he needs to do, and then he does it. That sounds like free will to me. It sounds like God is using methods of persuasion to get people to do something of their own volition. It's not like a magic, God's controlling all things. God is convincing people to do things. The person asks, hey, God, what do I, what, what do I need to do? And then he does it. Right. So Calvinists, they think it's just self-evident that this story is about divine determinism of all things. They're lunatics. I point this out. So this is not the only place that this story is recounted. There, uh, <laughs> It's also recounted in Acts 26. Well, we will turn there. Acts 26, 19. And this is Paul, and he's talking to King Agrippa. He says, therefore, King Agrippa, this is after he recounts the story, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So when we hear that, uh, we understand that Paul thinks that he had the option to be disobedient if he so wants. Paul thinks he has free will. We get it from the story. We get it from his recounting. But in the Calvinist mind, if there's a story which God does something, that means divine determinism. And their memes are not self-evident. Uh, that's one thing about uh, these, these cultist uh, mentalities. The memes are not readily accessible. You have to be in this in-group, which is all thinking in this a very controlled manner in order to get their in-jokes. A normal person reading their memes is going to be like, this is, this is not a funny meme. It doesn't make sense. You guys are psychotic. That's what's going to happen when we're reading Calvinist memes. I got a lot of Calvinist memes. We need to do a, like a Calvinist meme review. Let's uh, see what we got here. Here's we got Tom Hanks, a known pedophile, saying, My face when someone says, I chose God. So, uh, great. Um, they're, they're, uh, <laughs> they're equating themselves to known pedophiles. Flew on uh, Jeffrey Epstein's uh, jets. Fantastic. I, I like it when Calvinists do these things. Let's see here. Arminians after misplacing their salvation. Hilarious. I... That there, I I guess it's hilarious. It's it's showing two guys who are just like confused from like, dude, I lost my car. I, I've never seen the show, but I I know the characters, and uh, it's it's funny to them because these are the things they care about. It's very idiosyncratic, and and they it's it's their in group humor that they signal to one another. It, it's not accessible outside of their own little circles. So I point this out to this John 3%er guy. I say, yeah, that exactly what the meme says. They're trying to use the meme ironically. And so this, this picture, when you're on your way to murder Christians and you use your free will to become one, 
it's supposed to be like, ha ha, he didn't use his free will. He was meticulously controlled, divinely predestined to, to not persecute Christians. That's not what happens in the story. And so not self-evident. And so I point this out. I, I quote this Acts 6, 26, uh, 19. And uh, our 3%er John, he responds. Now this is the cultist and he posted this meme. And so he says, here's some context. And so he quotes the context of the King Agrippa speech. And he thinks now, now this is self-evident now that Paul didn't think that he had free will. Let's read it and see if John is uh, psychotic, if he's a rational functioning human being, or if he has some sort of intellectual point that he's making. So what we're looking for here is if Paul didn't think that he had free will in his decision to follow Jesus when Jesus appeared to him to ask him to do something. All right, so this is Paul talking. In this connection, I journey to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. That sounds pretty volitional right there. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone around me and those who journeyed with me. Okay, he saw something. That sounds pretty volitional again. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But arise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things which you have seen me and to those which I appear to you. So he's being appointed. I appoint my kids to do all sorts of things. I appoint them to clean. Clean the house. I'm giving you appointment. Uh, they, they, they have volition whether to choose that or not. In John Ganger's mind, 3%er John, he thinks that if you're appointed, you have no volition. Your free will is gone and determinism is true, except if I'm appointing my kids to a task. That's the exception. If God's doing it, it must mean his theology. There's no other reading. That's Again, let's, let's think about human action. Let's think about human thought, the, the mindset of a cultist. If you come across something that you want to be your own theology, your own point, your own ideology, you have to mentally discount alternative readings that equally as well fit these passages. And they have to do this because they don't have solid proof texts. They got nothing to fall back on. So if they lose even one proof text, they're out a whole lot. The, the, the Bible the Bible falls apart for them if they lose their proof text. And the general rule for the Bible is if your proof text doesn't definitively say what you're claiming it says, if there's alternative valid readings, it's not a good proof text. You need to turn somewhere else to try to prove your theology. You need to turn to a stronger proof text. They don't have proof texts. They do not have evidence in the Bible for their beliefs. These proof texts that they're throwing out here, this this uh, this John three percenter, he thinks meticulous determinism is proved by his proof texts. There's valid other readings, readings that I think are more probable. I don't think his is likely at all. I don't see anywhere here where Paul thinks that he doesn't have volitional choice whether or not to choose God. He's being appointed. He asks what to do. He says, I'm not disobedient, but we will read on and see maybe, maybe John has some other sentence that he thinks in his brain is the reason why the context of 
of this Agrippa's speech disproves free will. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So there's the context. What in that? And I asked, I asked this guy, I said, uh, what part of that makes you think that Paul's comments about not being disobedient was not expressly about his free will decision to follow Jesus? Yeah, what does the phrase mean? What is he communicating with this that he was not disobedient? He could have been disobedient. He's telling King Agrippa that, you know, I had this experience and I didn't reject this. I'm not Jonah just trying to run away or anything like that. I followed this vision and what this vision told me to do. I am volitionally, volitionally choosing my actions. And this is Paul's own reading of the situation. The situation that this Calvinist in his head thought definitely was so mock-worthy of anyone who thinks that that's a volitional situation going on. He thought, thought it was laughable. This guy, the sage Calvinist, Reformed sage, he made a meme about this. This is a cult. These people are not rational thinking human beings. They, they, they think in their little group thinks, they think in their little circles, and they can't think outside those boxes. They can't think outside the framework that has been set for them. It is cultism. This is a cultist. John 3 Percenter is a cultist. And so John 3 Percenter replies, the part where Christ appoints him and sends him. Oh, uh, if you're appointed, that means no volition, no free will, right? Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. No, you have to, in order to get Calvinism out of the Bible, you have to come to it with Calvinism. You have to presuppose everything you want to read into the text. He says, those aren't commands. What? They're not commands? I thought I read a whole bunch of commands over here. He says, uh, rise, stand on your feet. That sounds very commandy. I'm going to appoint you. I will deliver you. And then he, he talks about going places back in Acts 9. He says, go do this. He says, rise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So why, why if Paul is predestined from all eternity to do these actions, must he be told what he must do? Right? Why isn't he just forced to do it? It's because he has volitional choice whether to do it or not. He actually has to be told to do because God's not like a mind programmer. He's not meticulously controlling Paul's mind. So the communication has to go, come from God to Paul. Paul has to process it. Then Paul has to convert that into action. That's how this process goes. That's how normal people think about what's happening in this this passage or in any passage when i tell my kids to clean the room it's not fatalism they process that information and then they put it to action or inaction based on uh, their mood how, how much they want to deal with the potential fallout of consequences of not being obedient paul had those same concerns uh, what are you going to do if you're a blinded person and what other choice do you have but to go and try to cure your blindness? And in face of this overwhelming evidence that what you were doing is wrong and you're a person who is zealous for God, all those factors combined give him a pretty persuasive argument as to why he's doing what he's doing. But back to our three percenter, he says, Christ said he was going to appoint him and send him. Yeah, I ought 
okay that does where where do we get that that means no volition that's like telling your children what time you're going to pick them up from school that's a claim of fact that's a claim of fact uh well his he he in his mind this is a common calvinist thing they think that just claiming something means that thing is true and so if even if i tell my kid what time i'm going to pick my kid up my kid could choose not to be there right so his all his analogies are going to fall apart because he wants a special situation that only applies to god only applies to the bible and only makes the bible prove calvinism it doesn't apply anywhere else in life so i said no i appoint my children to tasks all the time i think you're a lunatic i also think this exchange shows how out of touch with your reality you are and then he threatens me with legal action for a public conversation and so fantastic what a brilliant man uh, his his knowledge of the u.s legal system is, is about as great as his reading comprehension skills we're, we're not dealing with very intellectual people when we're dealing with calvinists we are dealing with cultists they might uh, cloak cloak all their theology in vernacular that makes them sound intelligent but they are not. They need their theology to be in text where expressly, explicitly, it is not. The text screams against it. Paul screams against it in not only in Acts 9, but in his recounting of this. Paul says that he volitionally chose to choose God. Paul says that he saves people. Huh. All sorts of phrases, all sorts of phrases that Paul uses that trigger Calvinists. But Calvinists selectively ignore Paul's statements. That's the only way that they can make their theology fit. You, you just got to selectively ignore the parts of the Bible that do not fit. Anyways, this whole situation in Acts 9, God can use means to convince people to do things. That's volition. That's persuasion. That's coercion. Coercion, if God has to coerce someone into action, that means they have free will, or else you wouldn't need coercion. When God must do things to convince people to do things, that means we have free will. It means God. God is not controlling us. If we didn't have free will, then God doesn't uh, have access to this fatalism that God's pressing against. Right? So there's your options. So if everything's faded, then God has no access to this faded information. Or if God understands the workings and natures of reality, he understands we have free will and he's appealing to us in the best way he can, which does not always work out throughout the Bible. God sometimes expects good grapes, but gets wild grapes. Sometimes God tells a prophet to go do something and then they run away. And he says, go to Nineveh. And they're like, I'll go uh, to the ends of the earth instead. And they just take off running. They're like, cheese it. So this situation that we have here is Paul describing his free will. Calvinists will take this, turn it on its head, and pretend any position other than Calvinism is laughable. Expressly, expressly against the text. These are cultists. Anyways, questions, comments, put that below. Start a thread on the God is Open Facebook page. Thank you for listening.